0: Rolling. I rolling. Ready? Well, rolling, man. All right, cool. <laughs> Welcome to episode 77 of Combos on the Pedicab. I'm here with my boy, uh, Eli Halpern. Eli is an MMA fighter, comedian, aspiring rapper, and the owner of Golden Cricket Protein. This is a jack of all trade and most importantly, a jackass.
1: And the co-host of Giggle Boys. And the
0: co-shit. And the co-host of Giggle Boys that is actually on the Drinking Bros podcast network, which is pretty impressive. You're a big deal, I'm really happy that I'm in your presence. I feel very honored. Um, before we I feel st- very validated. Thank you. Before we get started, uh, this episode is brought to you by Hone Energy Drinks. Um, we made this blend because we were sick of the chemicals in energy drinks, The anxiety and jitters caused by coffee and the unsustainability of pharmaceutical focus enhancers, we knew there had to be a way to improve our energy and focus without hurting our health over the long term. Calming L-theanine, powerful antioxidants, and caffeine made ceremonial matcha a perfect fit. This ultra-high quality tea has been used for a millennium by Buddhist monks, samurai, and nobles to sharpen their focus and steady their nerves. All right, we're done. Okay. Good.
1: All right. You're not supposed hone to Hone energy that. drinks. <laughs> Buy it's, it. it. It's hone tea. Hone tea. Uh, yeah. Th- my uh, one of my good friends is. That's his company. Really? And I, I, I stand by it, dude. It really helps my cardio. I actually want to try it now. I got some. I'll, I'll let you try. It's good I would detail. love. It. Yeah. Take, take it before training. You'll notice an increase in cardio. I swear. Okay.
0: I actually need to train a lot more than I've been doing. I don't. I, I've been slacking so much this past year. Uh, I've been on and off the last couple months. But you're bi- so, like, you're busy. Like, how are you able to manage your time to do that?
1: Well, I don't have a day job. I'm, like, basically re- – I'm taking, like, a time off. Like, I've lived my whole life in phases. Like, I never wanted to work all the time. I always, like, worked half the year and then kind of just traveled and did whatever I want the other half. So, ever since I moved to Austin, I've just been uh, living off savings for the most part and, like, investment income and stuff. And I've just – been using this time to explore my passions and uh you know try new things that's pretty pretty admirable um i did a lot of that when i was
0: in new york because i lived with my mom and dad and didn't have any bills to pay so i like you know did golden gloves like a long time ago and uh you know wrote a book and did a whole bunch of shit and then uh you know came to austin and was able to kind of balance pedicabbing with like trying to fight and stuff like that and you know be the mayor of Austin and do all these other projects and like I'm in the opposite mode where all I want to do is just make as much money as I can right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you got to go through that phase to get to this phase.
0: Yeah. So what were you doing before you came here to be able to um, comfortably just be able to just chill and do comedy and train all day?
1: Well, my first business was a eBay store when I was 12 years old. So I've been doing e-commerce ever since I discovered that, It existed. Oh. So then I moved on to, um, I tried starting a a protein company when I was in college and that was semi-successful. Um, I invested in a lot of things when I was a lot younger that ended up paying off, uh, years later. Uh, I did, uh, I had stores on Amazon where I sold like kitchenware and household items and, um, yeah, pretty much between e-commerce and investments. Uh,
0: you just done well enough for yourself where you're just like, hey, I can just go train, work out, and tell jokes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I also had a coaching business to help people do that stuff, and um, that was probably the easiest money.
0: I might want to learn about that. Yeah. Um, I might actually want to take you up on that. That's pretty cool. Um, so what made you get into comedy? Because like, you're pretty fucking funny. Well, thank you. So
1: <laughs> so honestly, um, I didn't really know I was writing jokes at the time. I was just, I was, I would put them all on Twitter, on a private account. And then eventually I started realizing that I was writing jokes. And I used Twitter specifically because it would timestamp everything. So I could always be like, I wrote this first, just in case anyone ever accused me of stealing a joke or something. And um, I don't know, I went through a lot of phases of Uh, like, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I couldn't really settle on one. So I ended up just branching out into a bunch of things. That's how I, yeah. That's how I feel. I feel like, um,
0: I've done a lot of stuff since I've moved here and and before I moved here. And I found out that the only thing I'm really good at is
1: just failing at things. Well, that's, (laughs) that's good. (laughs) As long as you keep going. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause failure, failure is not a big deal. If you do not get a task done that you were supposed to get done, that is, by definition, a failure. Yeah. If you went to go to the grocery store today and you didn't go, you failed. That's not a big deal. Failure should just roll off you like a water on a duck's back or whatever the saying is.
0: I I think that there's like a skill to failing.
1: Water under a duck's dick, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dragon weeds.
0: But, uh, no, but seriously, I think there's a skill to failing.
1: Well, there's a skill to keep continuing after failing and not letting it affect you and not judging yourself for it.
0: Because I think if you fail enough times, right? Like, listen, man, like, I failed as an author. I failed as a um, musician. Um, I failed as a political candidate. Um, um I, I'm failing as a podcast host if you look at numbers and views and all that stuff, right? Um, but... The more I fail at all these projects, well I failed as an aspiring elementary school teacher. Um, I'm but, yeah. failing at pretty much everything, everything I'm doing, right? except so, for podcasts. Right, exactly. But like what I'm saying though is that like I've failed at all of these things, but like in the process of failing at these things, I've just made more people want me to take them to Rainy Street in the pedicab. <laughs> That's money. It's money, but exactly. So, like, there's, I think there's, like, a skill to failing, like like what you said. Like, if you're constantly trying to do things. Then um, more
1: opportunities will open up. And if yes. you're in that mind state where you're like, I'm going to get things done, people pick up on that. You'll meet the right people. Or maybe that's just specifically in Austin, but – or, I, or, or more, more likely in Austin because I, I was still, like, had the same mind state in L.A., but it was just – there's too much goddamn traffic to get shit done every day. Out here, I I can work all day long. uh, Yeah, In LA, I was in traffic for three hours. And
0: people here... Look, what I noticed too about the city too is that like... If people see that you're you're like working at something... Or you're trying to constantly create things or innovate something or do something new or... You know, express yourself in a certain way or advance your position in life. This is a city where people want
1: to help you if they see you working. Yeah. And they want to work with you. And I think that just goes uh, with... Like male dominance hierarchies like we don't work the same way as women where women often want to like cut each other down and men when they see someone doing something better than them and they see that they're competent they want to join their team and like be a part of their tribe like this guy knows what he's doing let's have him be in charge like men are okay with that kind of thought process where it's like not as much as like this guy's doing better than me i'm gonna fuck him over you know yeah
0: and it's also like Oh, this guy's the man. I want to be associated with this person because then it boosts my skill level too.
1: Yeah, because you are the people you surround yourself with.
0: You're the average of your five closest friends. What I've heard.
1: Well, I'm not an alcoholic, so that's not entirely true. When did you start being a comedian? The first time I ever did an open mic, I was 20 years old. So that was eight years ago at the Comedy Store in La Jolla. I was... Not old enough to go in because I was under 21, so I had to wait outside until it was my time to go up. And my entire set was about being an alcoholic. And then I, it went pretty good. And um, I was hammered. I don't really remember, but I remember uh, I talked about it with my. I, I just it was. I don't think people regularly recorded things back then, and uh, that's a regret. But I didn't start really grinding in comedy like. When I lived in San Diego for the next two years, I maybe did a a mic every month or a couple months, but then I really started grinding when I moved to LA, probably like five years ago. So that's, I I feel like I've been doing it really for five years.
0: Yeah, comedy's hard.
1: I don't think so. I feel like it kind of is though. Uh, It's it's hard if you're not good at it. Comedy's very easy for me. The hardest part about comedy is uh, waiting to go up, driving and finding parking, and uh, getting booked on shows.
0: Well, there's also probably like there's probably like a draining energy to being around a lot of other comics because what I've noticed when I've like gone to open mics or like been at shows is that like a lot of these comics just seem miserable with their lives.
1: Um, uh, at open mics, yeah, I, I've kind of ascended past that level at this point. I'm not really an open micer anymore. Not to say that I'm above them, but I don't need to do them anymore to get, to do good on stage. Uh, I, I don't like how I said that, but I, I still think I need to do open mics. Everyone does, but um, the energy that I'm surrounded by, by people that are getting booked on shows, is... Uh, Different than open micers. Is less, much less miserable because they're more talented, and everyone's kind of friends with each other. And I remember back in LA, I, I used to hate... The whole networking aspect, because I'm like, okay, I just gotta go hang out and, like, pretend like I like all these idiots. And, uh, out here, it's like, I don't have to fake it, I genuinely like everyone out here. Well, that's cool. Even though I'm sure, like, 90% of them would tweet, like, screw Eli Halpern if I, like, got canceled or something. Yeah, they probably, But, you know, like- we're coworkers. we're not best friends. I mean, I don't listen, don't like, a bunch to. of these
0: guys, they'd let Joe Biden sniff their kid for an HBO special, you know, so it's... You got that right. <laughs> it's it's what it is, dude. This is the nature of things. Um,
1: I think that's more likely, actually. <laughs>
0: yeah. I've done a couple of open mics, and I've done, like, a couple of shows, and I find that, like, I'm I'm pretty inexperienced, and I'm honestly, like, I'm pretty bad at, co- at, at doing comedy and whatnot, right? Um, but I found that I, like, did better when there was, like, a crowd versus when there was, like, a crowd of comics at an open mic.
1: Yeah, so... I've always said this that the first 20% of being a comedian is working on your material and getting good enough to not bomb and then the next like 80% is just getting opportunities to perform in front of larger crowds because even if you're not very good you'll still do okay in front of a large crowd.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that. When I Because did, if
1: one person laughs, another person will it's contagious, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. And like when I did Guns and Giggles, I got a pretty I got a really good reception at Guns and Giggles from the crowd, and I don't think my act was like all that great. Like I think it had potential, but it wasn't like as good as it could have been. And then when I do tin, every time I do tinfoil hat comedy, I'm getting the same reaction as like Sam Tripoli, Eddie Bravo and XG. These are seasoned comics, I'm getting the same reaction if not more a better reaction. You've done shows with them? Yeah, I've, I've done my rap songs with like Sam Tripoli and Eddie Bravo and stuff.
1: Fuck! Can you hook me up?
0: I can, yeah, I can try. Well, that's yeah. all I can ask. Uh, next time they come to Austin, I'll just just come through. Just tell me your comic. Sweet. You know? Um, But, like I've done, like I've done, um, like all, all of my, like 90% of my experience doing comedy has been at like big venues because of my rap songs and because of Tinfoil Hat. Yeah. And like whenever I do like the big venues like I murder it. People are like, "Yeah, fuck yeah. They want to take selfies with me. They're asking for my Instagram." You know, like last time I did a show in Dallas, Sam paid me $50. You know what I mean? Um right and and like
1: a lot of comedians would be mad to hear this. Why? Because they've been doing it longer and not getting paid.
0: Exactly. But then I've done but then I did an open mic at like Lucky Duck and like crickets.
1: Yeah, yeah. But this is what I don't like about uh The comedy community versus the fighter community is that there's a lot of jealousy in the comedy community where people will kind of be like, oh, this guy's not that funny and he's getting booked, And in the fighting community, if someone's whooping ass, if one of your teammates whoops someone's ass, you're not going to be like, oh, that guy's not even that good, I could kick his ass. You'd be like, fuck yeah, dude, I'm happy for you. Yeah, that's my fucking friend, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's also, it's because there's a lot of, like, beta males in, in comedy that, like, like, I think a lot of people feel threatened by me and that's why uh if if there's anyone who doesn't like me I wouldn't know about it kind of thing but if in like you think people are threatened by you uh that's that's the feedback I've gotten why I I don't know because I can kick their ass and I'm loud and demanding
0: I mean you look you're like big and intimidating like you just look like some rotted up meathead like if somebody saw you on the street but like it's not that it's whatever
1: Like, I'm definitely bigger than every other comedian. You're bigger than every other comedian. That's, yeah. (laughs) But, um... Yeah, there's, uh... There's none of that jealousy in the fighter community. And it's it's a weird... Like... Hanging out with comedians is a lot of fun because we just bullshit and joke around. And then hanging out with fighters is a lot of fun because... Everyone's into, like, psychedelics and smoking weed, so we have, like, real, interesting, deep conversations.
0: But there is also a lot
1: of bullshitting and joking around, too. Not as much.
0: I don't know. When I was at my um, at my gym before Eastside, uh, but uh, Tenth Planet, it was called Eastside Austin Elite. Um, this is when I was like actually um, wanting to fight and stuff. And all of the fight, like, and I started like doing improv um, during my fight camp to kind of take my mind off of fighting, right? And um, like all of the like, I I got really, I was like pretty good at improv off the bat because of all the jokes that we were just making right before sparring. You know what I mean, like. We would have these like super intense sparring sessions where like the guys were not as good as they are at 10 p, right? but like the intensity of the sparring was a lot higher than what it is at 10 p um so so like before sparring and after sparring, we were just constantly making jokes because of like how because, like to deal with like the nerves. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I found it like there was like a, there was almost more jokes being made when you're around
1: fighters than when you're around like other people. I, I disagree. I, I feel like. At least, personally, if I'm preparing to fight, I'm not trying to be silly. I'm trying to be, like, focused and serious. Like, I, I won't be cracking jokes like usual if I'm, um, if I'm about to fight someone. Dude, I was
0: doing it as, a, as, like, a defense mechanism to, like, get myself, to get, like, my mind in a different spot. <sighs> I, cr- I, got, I was funnier. Like, when I was, like, trying to fight, like, I made two of my rap songs. I made that while I was trying to do, like, Golden Gloves in Austin. You know what I mean? Like I was getting super when I, when I was like you were after, writing lyrics while you were yeah, sparring. Not not while I was sparring, but like the day the day after I was sparring, like my my creative brain was like flowing like a motherfucker when I was trying to fight. Like all like ninety percent of the material that I got running for mayor, I got that while I was like in fight camps.
1: Well, I can see why that makes sense because the only thing you can do to increase blood flow to your brain is exercise, and that type of training is the most intense exercise you can do, and it's also releasing in, endorphins. And so I think that neurotransmitter blood-brain-increase cocktail is a good recipe for creativity. Yeah. Because for me, (laughs) um, and I think this applies to everyone, is that exercise should be the foundation of your life. That should be, like, the first thing you do, and then go on with the rest of your day. Because I know once I spend an hour in MMA getting my ass kicked, I'm going to leave there like, okay, if I can get through that, I can get through the rest of this day, no problem. Yeah, my set's
0: going to be a joke. My comment set's going to be easy as fuck.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I just mean like regular life. I'm more nervous about doing stand-up than I am about fighting, even though the stakes are way higher with fighting. But it's because when I go on stage, I'm, I'm I'm bringing just myself on stage. I wrote everything. I decided what to say. I'm not listening to anyone. No one's telling you how to do this. It's just a solo mission. When I'm fighting... I'm, n- I'm not going in that ring by myself. I'm going in there with my coaches. I'm going in there with my teammates. And I'm going in there with all of their years of experience and all the things that they've taught me and helped me understand. So by trusting that I can, like, fall back at- on their knowledge, I-, I feel more confident going into the ring than I do on stage uh, sometimes.
0: That makes sense. You know, like, Kevin James used to, like, train MMA with Randy Couture? Uh, yeah, I heard about that. And I saw a video of him training, and then he was like, I heard "He's pretty good." Yeah, he is actually really good. Like he was a wrestler in like high school and all that. Like he, I think he was, uh, yeah, he was like a really good wrestler, like all district wrestler in high school or something like that. Like he played he like college fight. football. Like yeah, Kevin James he should was fight a, Jake Paul. He should that'd be hilarious. <laughs> in MMA, not in boxing. Yeah. Because Jake Paul actually can box.
1: Hate to admit it.
0: Yeah. Um, but
1: what I was saying this. though
0: is that basically Kevin James is like you know. Uh, these guys, they just beat the shit out of me every day, but this really, like, helps, me, helps my golf game, you know? It just helps me get better at golf. Like, it just helps me get, like,
1: it helps me get better at every other aspect of my life, just going through that every day. Yeah. And then after, like, my ideal amount of daily training is three hours. After I'm in the gym for three hours, I leave there, and nothing can bother me. I'm just zen.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. That, like, it's helps me, it helps right me out helps. Right after of, that like,
1: shower slide on some new clothes, I'm just like... Have a coffee or something,
0: yeah. Dude, it helps me so much with pedicabbing too. Like, if I've trained like two, three times a week, if I've like trained like two, three times a week, oh, I'm going to crush it on the pedicab. But then also, if I train like too much during the week, I have no energy. So there's like a weird balance of like how much I have to train versus like how much I'm going to be like optimized while I'm working. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, like Hofstadter says, there's no such thing as overtraining, just under-recovering. So if you can't sleep and active recover enough then you should probably train less
0: well that's exactly what happens right so like from from like Thursday to Sunday you know you're working till three o'clock in the morning on Thursday well and you and you sleep like five six out like five hours maybe on Friday and you got to work all day Friday and then the same thing happens on Saturday and the same thing happens on Sunday right
1: yeah you're not
0: able to recover well enough to train five days a week you can recover to maybe train twice a week and be okay
1: yeah, I get I, – I really rev the engine and, and burn out Does that make sense? a little like, too much. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll train three hours a day, and then I'll sleep, like, maybe five or six hours. Because when, I, when I'm training that much, like, my motor's just running, and I'm just like, I don't want to sleep. I wanna, I'm in such a good mood. I just want to keep this riding this wave. Like, I'm not trying to go to sleep. I feel great. Yeah. I think that's called mania. but.
0: <laughs> it could be. But, yeah, it's like – I wanted to train and I wanted to do jujitsu um and MMA were like at twelve o'clock, right? But I'm like, Well, I got my episode with Eli. So I gotta prepare for my episode with Eli. I gotta get into a, I m I gotta get into like the zone to do my podcast, right? And then it's like, Oh shit, well I gotta well I don't have to work tonight but it's like all right, well, you know, I gotta work like the next day, right? Or I gotta go to like the state capital and like talk to these like senators and, and state reps to figure out what more content I can like, you know, put out so there's so much stuff that comes into it that it's like it, it is difficult to have like a balance like, to have the balance you want to actually train consistently and do a million different things at once you know
1: yeah I just had my second fight uh, last week in Vegas how was that um, it was a cool venue I got some really good footage from it um, I thought that the whole team would be going together turns out I was the only one who signed up so I just went out there with uh, Ian Selby the striking guy and uh, so it was kind of a bummer not going out there with a the team because uh, when we always roll to the amateur fights, we roll super deep in, like, matching clothes, and it's just, like, powerful. Yeah. You know? So I, uh, there was a little bit of confidence lacking with that, but I was like, you know what? Challenge accepted. You know, I'm going to just kind of do this on my own. I, I trust Ian. And, um, I, 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 I held back a lot. I was not, uh... I could have done. There was a lot I could have done better, but um, I didn't get hurt. It was a good rep, and uh, I had three things I wanted to do in that fight, and I did one of them. So, okay. uh, At least that wasn't. I I got a jab head, jab body, head offset, overhand right to the head, and uh, that that felt good.
0: You ever thought about doing street beefs, Eli?
1: I'm gonna be on street beefs in December. What? Yeah. Are you you what? Yeah. Who are you fighting? Tell me more. I don't know. More. All I know is they said, make a fighter video. We want someone who's a like interesting person. And I was like, you picked the right fucking guy. <laughs> so you, they called you and said that you're going to be on Street Beefs? Yeah. And they were like, make us an intro video. And I, I, I made it and sent it to him. I didn't make it funny, though. I was just I talking wanna... about like maximizing human potential and stuff. That's a, a part of me really wants to I go on to Street Beefs just so I can like drop woke knowledge bombs. Um, I might be able to get you on the card. Maybe,
0: but I gotta see how much I can train, but that, that, does, seem, that does seem like it'd be kind of fun.
1: Yeah. I do, I do worry about my brain, though. <laughs> street beef. Do you know what, where- If I, know I get what, concussed, wait, that's you know gonna fuck gonna, up my- This is in this, Do you know where it's gonna be? Uh, in Austin. Wait, there's a street beefs in Austin? In December.
0: Ooh, no fucking way.
1: Where's it gonna be in Austin? Uh, I don't know. I told him I'd help him find a cage.
0: Street beefs in
1: Austin. Yeah, they should be posting my... I didn't hear back from them after I sent them the video. So, we'll see what happens with Dude, that. Dude, that does seem like a really fun promotion, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got like 2.8 million subscribers.
0: Yeah, that does seem like a lot of fun. I mean, hey, it's an excuse to start training more. Yeah. It's definitely an excuse to start training more. Fuck. Yeah, yeah I'm to about to there. go
1: to Costa Rica for the jujitsu camp. Ooh. Yeah, and, like, I remember when uh, Mary got me to sign up, like, when I first moved here, and I was like, uh, you're hot, okay, I kind of want to agree with you, but, like, also, I don't know anyone, and I just was like, and she was like, come on, just do it, and I was like, all right, fuck it, and so I signed up, and I was like, I have so much anxiety, like, I'm just going with all these people I don't even know, and it's like, now they're all my friends, so, like, Cody and uh, and, uh, Andrew are going, and Mary and Lauren are cool, and I forget who else, but. I, I pretty much, they're not strangers anymore, so that's cool. And, uh, we're spending five days in Costa Rica, uh, doing a no-gi training camp. We're living in a mansion with a private chef.
0: That's fucking dope.
1: And, uh, we have to wake up at 8 a.m. every day, so we'll see how that goes.
0: <laughs> I, I think you're gonna do great.
1: Yeah, the thing is, I haven't trained jiu-jitsu in, like, a long-ass time. Wait, when is the street beefs? What day in December is it? I'm not sure. It might be overlapping with this Larry June concert I got tickets to with my brother, which I hope not. <laughs> but uh I don't I'm not sure if he gave me an ex- exact date yet. That does seem fucking fun though. Yeah. I'm going to do it in May.
0: I don't Yeah, I don't see how they're going to find like an actual outdoor venue though for Street Beefs in Austin.
1: Well, uh I think penal code 2.013 <laughs> City ordinance X531217 hashtag, apostrophe, uh, question mark, smiley face emoji. Uh, You can legally fight someone in Texas if you have their consent, and you can't press charges for injury if they agreed to the fight. And uh, I think that mainly applies to private property. So they're going to set up a cage on private property and have two people agree to fight each other, and it doesn't need to be sanctioned. Because it's not. they're not throwing an event. They're doing a live stream for YouTube. Yeah. So that's a, that's a nice little loophole. Dude, that's a crazy promotion, though. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I feel like I'm getting all these great chances at the things that I'm not really trying to pursue a future in. Yeah. Like, I would rather just be getting booked on comedy shows all the time. But, like, shit, you going to put me on street beefs? All right.
0: Well, it'll definitely get your um, follow count up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, which I need because I got Octavius Thunder, my original Yeah, you, got, you got banned. You got thrown off the internet. Yeah. Yeah, and then I made a second one, Eli.Halpern, and that got deleted the next day. I didn't even post shit. Why did they delete you? Uh, either I was posting about the vaccine, I was using an app to mass unfollow people, or uh, all of my ex-girlfriends have uh, came together behind my back to shut me down.
0: What do you think the most likely reason is, Eli?
1: Um, interdimensional aliens have n- intercepted the photons leading through the uh, optical cables and deleted my Instagram through that.
0: Dude, that—that's an eyeball bleeder. I'm fucking woke from that. <laughs> Holy smokes!
1: You know the red pill works even better if you stick it up your butt.
0: Oh my god. Um.
1: Boof and red pills, baby. You were on Kill Tony. Uh, twice. How that? How would you get on that? Oh, this is a, a great segue because. So uh first time I signed up for Kill Tony, I put my name in the bucket. I'm with my buddy Malik Bazil, who was on the Fighter and the Kids and Apollo Creed. He's doing big things right now. Um, great guy. Um. I, we're, it gets to the end of the night, and I'm like, fuck this, I'm not getting pulled up. So I leave. Um, turns out Malik got to go up, and then the next day, or a few days later, my this kid I knew from college, we weren't even good friends or anything, but he just messaged me on Facebook and was like, hey, your name got pulled for Kill Tony, but you weren't there. And I was like, fuck! So I kept going back, like, every Monday for like eight months okay and then i was like i think my name's blacklisted my name's cursed because i put my name in and didn't show up so i sign up eli halpern and octavius thunder okay and then octavius thunder got called and then i crushed it uh you can look it up it's uh i'm wearing a green hawaiian shirt
0: i will look that up yes
1: and then um my second Kill Tony appearance was the first one that was here in austin and I did the same thing. Eli Halpern, Octavius Thunder. Octavius Thunder got pulled. So I went up. That didn't go so well. I mean, I was hilarious, but the audience sucked. I think it came off a little too douchey. But um, that's, that's also on YouTube. Uh, actually, that's just called Octavius Thunder. But uh, yeah, nothing came of it. Except uh, a lot of people told me they watched it and it was hilarious. But uh, not hilarious enough for them to book me, I guess.
0: Lame. What do you think about what happened with Pang Dang?
1: Uh, it's kinda old news by now, but... I don't know, Tony was- Tony Hinchcliffe was, like, a mentor to him. They'd known each other for years. Peng Dang fucked him over for some clout, and it really didn't do shit for his career. Uh, it fucked Tony's career for, like, a week, and then it skyrocketed him. Uh, because of Gary. <laughs> Really? Because he had the, the full footage that showed the context.
0: Wait, Gary's the one with the full footage. Yeah. You saved Tony Hinchcliffe's career.
1: Yeah. I Hinchcliffe was talking to me about it, and I was like, he was like, yeah, whoever had that video, like that video saved my life. And I was like, my buddy Gary took that video, and he was like, your buddy Gary saved my career. And then Gary shows up, and I'm like, yeah, this is my buddy Gary. And he's like, Gary, you saved my life. I am forever indebted to you. So then, the
0: producer of Convo's on the Pedicab. Gary Faust, aka Faust Media slash Faust T V, is the man who saved Tony Hinchcliffe's career. You heard it first, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe you could send Tony Hinchcliffe's my educational rap songs. Gary. He
1: won't do it. He's playing he's playing the long game. Gary. Just trust me, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Gary So, yeah, then I started um, – uh, I, I got a cool relationship with Cody Hofstadter because he's, like, a very intelligent, articulate, uh, well-spoken, uh, visionary, and uh, he's also a fucking psycho. So uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I, I, I really love him. So we were talking about – like, I'm so new to martial arts that, like, I'm not going to be good for years. So, Cody was like, I want you focusing on dope-ass walkouts. <laughs> so, I, I, so he was like, you should wear a luchador mask. Or I, I don't know if it was his idea or mine. I'm going to give him the credit just because why not. And I was like, fuck yeah. Okay, let's go right now. So, we go to the um, Lucy in Disguise uh, Halloween That's or That's where I got my Captain shop. America mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I go there and uh, <laughs> I go to try on the... The uh, luchador mask and I, I, I put it. I take my mask off and she's like, "You have to leave your mask on, sir." And I'm like, "Okay." Uh, I'm putting this mask on to. I'm putting two masks on, whatever. So I put the mask on and then I'm putting the other mask on over my head and it pushes the mask down before I even had a chance to pull it up. The guy over here is like, "Hey, you need to pull that mask up." And I'm like, "You're asking for the smackdown, brother!" And then me and Cody just start cracking up and then he didn't say shit. <laughs> it was pretty funny, and uh, so yeah, I. I, wa- I walk out to a, like, a Mexican hardcore rap song, which was hilarious because my opponent was Mexican, and <laughs> I was like, I hope this isn't cultural appropri- appropriation. But even though cultural appropriation is a good thing, we shouldn't embrace other people's cultures. Anyways, I show up, I'm wearing a golden uh, cape with the golden cricket shirt and the luchero mask, and I just get up, <laughs> get in the ring, I start, like, flexing and shit, and I'm just, like, doing all this weird, like... Way over the top stuff, and, um, I'm like whooping this dude's ass the entire time and I could not get a tap. And, uh, that was shitty, but I, I was clearly dominating him the entire time. Did and that video's with? on YouTube as well. Did no, get- it ended in a draw, it was a sub only.
0: Oh, that sucks. With the cash in the cage, a sub only?
1: Dude, I and I get, I, I've had like three draws. It sucks. I need to get better faster. Just heal a But, dude, I'm, I'm doing alright for someone who didn't, who grew up with no athletic background and just started striking really? like a year ago. Wait, or two you never, ago?
0: like, you didn't play any sports when you were growing up?
1: I, not really, not, what not well. I mean, you're like fucking huge, though. Yeah. Du- dude, I've, I was a scrawny little bitch growing up. I've, I'm 28 years old now. I've been out of high school for a decade. That's a long time to spend on working on looking like this. You know? <laughs> I-,
0: I thought that you were just... You know.
1: Yeah, most people, dude, that's what a lot of people who just meet me, they don't really, like, know who I am. They just assume that I've always been, like, this, like, a jock or something. And that, that could have be further from the truth. Like, I grew up, like, trying to learn web design and do art and music and, like, that kind of shit. That,
0: I, I've never, I, that that's a big shocker to me.
1: Yeah, it, it, it shocks a lot of people. Like, I, I'll start playing music and they'll be like, well, I didn't know you played. I'm like, yeah, I've been playing, so I was like... Twelve.
0: No fucking way. That's my mind is kind of blown right now, Eli. My mind is blown. Um, whatever happened to Peng Dang, though after that Tony thing?
1: Uh, I don't know. Uh, last I heard, his follow count didn't even go up from that, and it got, his video got like millions or his yeah millions of views. Um, I heard from Tony months ago that he was doing all Asian so all Asian shows
0: wait, wait, isn't that like segregation
1: yeah I don't know <laughs>
0: like well I mean the lesson learned is uh, you know don't screw your friends over for cloud
1: uh, that's a lesson you shouldn't have to learn you should just know that if you need to do that and learn from that you're a bad person and you shouldn't exist well but
0: you can but somebody who saw what happened
1: yeah, I was, I was there. They could learn that lesson as If well. you watch the video, you can hear me laughing hysterically in the background.
0: Yeah. It was fucking funny. I saw the whole clip too. It's almost like it's every comedian's dream. Like, like it's almost every comedian. Like.
1: But dude, Tony, I didn't think Tony was funny at all. Uh, his first Netflix special, uh, he started growing me, uh, on me a little bit. And then after that shit happened, his first setback was the funniest thing I have ever seen him do. And he's he's been so much better since he got canceled.
0: Yeah, I saw him a couple times at Vulcan. Same with
1: he's... Shane Gillis. Did you see his new special? No. It was fucking amazing, oh. dude. And he's a great guy too. Okay. I, I met him at Vulcan.
0: Here's what I, here's what I actually want to talk to you about as a comedian. Um, how do you feel? Because I I really think that like right now comedy is like the last bastion of like free speech in America, and of like it's like the one of the last ways to really like stand up to like oppression and tyranny and whatnot, right? And it's through comedy. And it's through being like an artist. It's through being like an entertainer. And I've been really kind of disappointed seeing a lot of entertainers cave to like the COVID pressure.
1: Yeah. I'm yeah, really I mean, like- all, of, all of Hollywood requires you to be vaccinated to even go into any of the comedy clubs. Which means you can only make a certain demographic laugh. Which means you don't know... How funny you really are because you can't gauge it because comedy is all about taking a, a wide range of people and bringing them all together with laughter. And if they're all on board with vaccination, they're already one like specific demographic. And, and you can like kind of insinuate their political views because of that.
0: Yeah, it's like um, Amy Schumer with the Netflix special, you know, how it's like I it got 98 percent of Rotten Tomatoes, but like all the viewers put it at like 10 percent.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't really know about that. Uh, well, I don't know. I believe I, it, though. A lot A lot of comics hate Amy Schumer. They, well, say, they say she stole jokes from Patrice O'Neill. I've heard about that,
0: too. But she's also just not funny.
1: I saw a funny meme of her. And it was just like her on stage with the mic. And she's like, you ever get an abortion and then your vagina has blood everywhere? I don't know. It's just something, like, ridiculous. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like it. I don't know, I don't- I don't have a problem with her. I- she's made me laugh, I think. Yeah, once. But, um, did you see Joe Rogan's video?
0: Like, his little freedom video about how we all gotta fight for like our freedoms now more than ever and all that stuff?
1: No. But also, I wanna, uh, disagree with you that comedy is the last frontier of free speech. I think rap music is. Or music in general, but rap music? Dude, what rapper is really getting canceled? Like, the baby just got canceled for... Nicki Minaj. A little bit. They're they're gonna because she's They're gonna about end the, up fine though, because their fans don't care about that shit. Because rap kind of has like a grittier audience, and it, they promote misogyny and violence and drugs and crime. So you can pretty like too short. Like his he literally raps about sexually harassing people and sex trafficking women, and he's a legend yeah but which uh um, leads me to my fallback plan but <laughs> so i'm dropping a mixtape oh i saw yeah it's a pimp mixtape and uh so dude i just i just have all these avenues both for creativity and both for like fallback fallback plans and um uh, i'm 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 pretty good with with making music and producing music i'm not that good of a rapper but i'm good at writing lyrics and uh i think if i work with the right people that are like hey uh say this this way then uh which is, which is how I handle on handling this product, uh, project. But, um, it's just a lot more fun because it's easier because just, because ra- it's like, I'm still a comedian. So every line is a joke. So I get to write like a hundred jokes in one song, like real fast paced. And it's, it's so much fun. And I'll, I'll like be recording and I'll pause, play it back, laugh hysterically. And the whole recording, like, I'm sure you've had the same experience when you're recording raps. It's a lot of fun. It's, it is fun, yeah. And, I, I don't know, make- just pretending to be a pimp is, like, it's fun to, like, have different characters and stuff. Like, I got, like, these different characters and uh, personas. Like, uh, I'm a big fan of MF Doom. I like and, MF Doom. And He, went, he, he went by RIP, R.I.P., yeah. R.I.P. And he went by all these different monikers. He had King Ghidorah, um, Mad Villain. Uh, fucking Zev Love X KMD he, he had a lot of different personas and they all had their own little stories I mean they're all kind of like the same guy but I don't know I like having different pers- like Octavius Thunder the Fighter Brody Lowballer The that's, that's gonna be my rap name for now cause I, I like talked it. to my buddy Maurice who's like a professional musician like that's what he does for a living yeah and-
0: but are you willing to sell your soul if you get a record deal are you
1: willing to sell your soul to the
0: Illuminati for a record deal
1: uh, Probably not or I would just say that I would and then you know what I'm not going to reveal my plan We'll see what happens.
0: Do you know any any anybody who's like actually made it big?
1: Uh, Yeah This guy that used to sell a bunch of drugs in college and rob people all the time and get arrested and shoot people in He's, college Yeah From college did you go to uh, he, <laughs> Santa Barbara uh, <laughs> He wasn't shooting people in Santa Barbara, though. That was in L.A. He's he's doing pretty well right now.
0: So did he have to like sell a soul or sign a contract
1: in blood? Oh, he he never had a soul. He's a bad person, (laughs) and he's just killing it. I guess. I mean, he's always recording with like real big names. Well, good for him. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, who else? I don't know. I know a lot of talented musicians that haven't made it yet that uh, I got high hopes for.
0: Yeah, but then there are also a lot of very untalented people that um, make multi-millions of dollars, right? Well, if
1: if I can blow up, if any one of my projects really blow up, the rest of them will follow suit. And then I'll have a significant platform to where I can help other people blow up. And that's really what my goals are based on, is maximizing my human potential... While inspiring and motivating others and being able to create a f- platform to help others well, and my as, friends.
0: as long as it doesn't come with selling your soul and eating children, I'm fully on board with that.
1: Uh, yeah, th- I don't need to do that. I'm not trying to be a billionaire. Just like, <laughs> you know, multi-millionaire.
0: All right, respect. Um, I was going to say something. I literally just forgot what the fuck I was going to say. Oh, Giggle Boys. How did that get – you got um, – you're on the Drinking Bros Network. How did
1: that come about? So, I was doing Casperger's for like four years. That's my okay. podcast. That's, uh... I'm gonna do that till I die. I'm not trying to sign that over anything. That's just like my personal little journal and I get to say whatever I want. And that's a lot of fun. And, um... My buddy Mike Eaton, he's like my best friend in comedy. And, uh... Just one of my best friends in general. Um... I... He was a recurring guest on Casperger's and we always had the best conversations. And, um... I was just, I had a lot of people that were like, I don't know, he laughs too much. But then Mike has a huge following of people that love him, probably more than me. And I was like, you know what? Let's just start a podcast together and uh, I'll, like, we'll, I don't know, try to figure out how to blow this up because, you know, it's always better to work as a team and, um, I don't know. Mike can be a little more palatable than me, although he's the roles have kind of reversed recently. Now he's saying all kinds of crazy fucked up shit and I'm like, "Ooh, tone it down. <laughs> I'm trying to get I'm trying to get a fucking Netflix special, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> I want a record deal." But Mike has this superpower of saying like awful things like in the, on the same same tier as me, but having it received much better. Like He can say some really offensive shit. Well, because he looks like
0: non-threatening. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, yeah, so we were, I don't know, 20-something episodes into Giggle Boys. Uh, One of my friends introduced me to one of the Drinking Bros guys, and I introduced myself. He already knew who I was. He's like, oh, yeah, Giggle Boys is hilarious. I've seen your stand-up. You're funny. You want to come on the podcast? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, for sure. So I called Mike, and I was like, hey, come on the Drinking Bros with me. Let's promote Giggle Boys. And uh, we went on there. The audience said we were like the funniest guests that they've had in forever. And they saw like we have potential and we're like unknown right now. So they're trying to milk us for everything we got. No, they're, they're great guys. Um, we haven't even signed a contract yet. They're like, they're just cool guys that uh, like to hang out and talk shit. Um, so then they brought us in. They're like, hey, we need a Saturday night show. And I think you guys would be perfect for it. You guys want to do it? And then they're like, it's a 70-30 split. And then Mike's thinking like, oh, yeah, 30%. I'll take 30%. And I'm like, no, dude, we get 70. And he's like, oh, shit. And uh, so, yeah, uh, we're like, okay, we'll record next week, Wednesday, 3 p.m. And we get over there. Our room is all set up. We got cameras in there. We got people working for us. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. We're Like, this is the real deal. Our first episode got like. 3,000 views in a week, and now every episode we drop gets at least 1,000 views the first day. But it usually caps around, like, 25, 300. Dude, that's insane. So, how, like, how do you get paid from that? Do you get paid per view?
0: Do you get paid, like, salary? We get paid or from what? ad
1: revenue. We don't have any ads yet. We just got our first sponsor. Okay. And um, I was actually talking to Gary about this, and he started this conversation off in a very retarded way. But we ended up making a lot of progress because... He was saying that I should be out looking for my own sponsors and not just leaving it to them because I have more of an incentive than they do. And uh, I think finding local sponsors is what me and, need, me and Mike need to work on. Yeah, Giggle Boy, yeah. What if um, your own company sponsored it? Oh, uh, we do. But I wouldn't pay myself. <laughs> but you would though because, because me and Mike me and Mike split the money so then I would be just be giving him money. Oh yeah, And so, he owes okay. me money because I financed <laughs> the, right. the whole recording. Well, I'm
0: just saying for taxes it would be a good like, tax plan. Like a well, tax write off. Cause you gotta it, it, draw it down, right? Like it's a drawdown and this way you're using your company to sponsor your own show and you know, probably good for taxes.
1: That's actually a good idea.
0: Yeah. I know. I
1: can I pay myself? Yeah. To
0: promote myself? Well, your business can pay you.
1: Ooh.
0: It's called a drawdown. Like I have an LLC All and right, I do that. Ten
1: grand a month. <laughs>
0: there are a gotta, whole bunch I gotta, of weird I gotta talk to my accountant. Dude, there are a whole bunch of weird ways to like get around the tax code.
1: Yeah, when you have an S-Corp, just anything I do while well, I'm talking about Golden Cricket is a write-off. Or when yeah. I'm trying to tell people they should pre-order it and stuff.
0: I have an LLC. But we're wearing this right
1: now. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about this. This is a write-off. This does not cost me any money, though. This, yeah, you write-off
0: zero. Um, I have an LLC, so anytime I do anything where I'm pitching my show and- You need to make, need an, make an S-Election. P- what is that?
1: You fill out a form 2256 or 2253. Just look that up. Uh, S-Election IRS form. It takes about 30 seconds to fill out, you mail it in, it is free, and then all of a sudden you get all the benefits of an S-Corp. What is an S-Corp? You know how people are complaining that all these rich people don't pay any taxes? Yeah. It's because they have an S-Corp, and they use utilize write-offs. So, if you have enough money, what you really would want to do is get an S-Corp, start a charity, donate to your own charity, you get 50% of the write-offs. Uh, anything that is in the charity fund can only be used for the charity, which includes uh, paying employees, so you can set your own salary. I would advise a salary of, like, the lowest tax bracket, just so you have money coming in for uh, potential loans and credits and things like that to expand your business. And you can pay yourself out of your own charity. Mm-hmm.
0: insane. I mean that that's why Bill Gates has gotten richer exponentially from just
1: giving all his money to the foundation Yeah, but you you can only write off 50% of your donation, so I Don't know Daniel Tosh has a joke. You know, it's better than write-offs keeping all your money. Sorry. That's a rich people joke He said it funnier, but It's
0: pretty funny um yeah, they do that with artwork, too. Like, you can um, have somebody, like, paint you something, and you can get get it. Like, if you have a connection in the art world, you can get that, like, get some random painting appraised for, like, a million dollars, and then just donate that million-dollar painting to, like, a museum, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I donated a million dollars worth of art to a museum, and that's another tax
1: write-off. Really? Yeah. Genius. I know a very good artist. So we're,
0: we're just brainstorming ways to get around this whole thing. All right, before we go, how, tell us about Golden Cricket.
1: Okay, so I have always thought that people should eat insects. Like Bill um, Gates. I don't want to be compared to him. I, this is an original thought that uh, I came up with on my own. And he stole it from me Without inside influence. Yeah, right. outside influence. Uh, so I don't know. I was in Thailand. I ate a scorpion. It was delicious. Um, this was like fucking six years ago. And I don't know, I just always thought people should be eating bugs, but like we don't because it's gross. And it's like, what? Okay, eating a cow is gross, probably grosser than eating insects. Like, you wouldn't take a bite out of a cow's leg. It needs to be prepared properly. So I was thinking it would be more palatable if we prepared the crickets properly by dehydrating them and grinding them up into a powder, mixing them into a delicious protein bar, chocolate banana peanut butter flavor, my favorite combination, and uh, you don't even taste the crickets. And I think the main selling point is that each bar uh, saves 140 gallons of water compared to whey protein. So that's a significant amount of water. And I'm all about sustainability. Like I got solar panels on my house and stuff. And I'm all about clean energy. And uh, it just seems like a no-brainer to me. It, the only... Uh, um the only roadblock the only obstacle is just changing people's minds about crickets and bugs being gross to eat
0: so whenever we have a golden cricket protein bar we're eating
1: insects yes they're made of crickets that explains the name i thought that was really obvious
0: yeah i just wanted to reiterate for the audience the
1: lo- okay the lo- okay <laughs> you're I'm not just, sure if I believe you, but uh, nah, at I least just, the audience
0: knows now. The audience knows. Okay. Check
1: out goldencricket.com. We are accepting pre-orders. Uh, you will be getting about 15% of a discount if you order pre-order now. Uh, you will not get the bars for probably three to four months. So if you want to say 15%, it's that's worth it for you. It would make me happy and help me out, and um, yeah, and, and they, it'll they and it'll are, come back to you because I'm trying to help the community. Yeah, and they taste good too. I've had a couple of them there. They are really good. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I didn't know that. that that is pretty cool and it's you know if you could do that while uh, even my fat save, friend Mike you're saving things are good. you're saving the planet like you're a real humanitarian I give pedicab rides by and I fight climate change and socialism at the same time so we're, we're both we're you know we're just two guys just really doing our part for the environment and planet earth
1: yeah I mean ideally I'd like to go worldwide with this and like solve world hunger and uh, save water and just yeah save the world Dude, this is, like, really noble. I want to almost have you back just to talk about this
0: golden cricket and sustainability in the environment at some point.
1: I mean, uh, they contain all nine essential amino acids. They're 65% protein by weight. Uh, They're high in uh, B12, omega-3, omega-6. They emit 200 times less greenhouse gas than uh, cattle and use, I think, like, 1,500 times less water and 100 times less space. So just, it, it just, it's really a no-brainer. Just everything about it. If I don't believe in superfoods like acai berries, goji berries. They're not superfoods. That's a marketing tactic. I don't really think superfoods exist, but if I was going to say anything is a superfood, it would be insects because you can truly live off those. And they're also date-sweetened, which is the most nutritious uh, natural sweetener in the world. So I'm combining two of like the best things, and uh, the thing about dates is they have a very high potassium level, which slows the absorption of sugar into the bloodstream, so that um, it doesn't cause an insulin spike like uh, other protein bars with like brown rice syrup or uh, other types of sugar.
0: That's actually pretty cool. That is uh, that's interesting
1: stuff. You guys
0: should sponsor this podcast, Eli. Uh
1: yeah, I'm down. Hell yeah. All right, cool. Anyway. I'm, I'm trying to sponsor everyone. I, I, the biggest thing is uh my first marketing move is going to be sponsoring the MMA team at 10th Planet and uh having them basically market it for me. You know? So they're benefiting from it and it's also helping the company, which will help benefit them more and uh And
0: you get this out to the whole fight MMA community, which is pretty Yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. And once great. and
1: once people see that this is like a bar that, like, the most, you know, wh- what a lot of people would agree is, like, the most vigorous sport are people are relying on this product. It's going gonna, it's gonna to raise some ears, and people are going to be interested.
0: Well, how, how much does it cost you to, like, get this off
1: the ground? Um, I don't know yet. I, mean, I haven't placed my first order, and I, I don't want to get into finances.
0: Okay. Respect. <clears throat> we can maybe
1: talk about it when we're off the air and stuff. Yeah. All right, anyway, Eli, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, Golden, uh, here's my Instagrams, Golden Cricket Inc., uh, Cast Burgers, that's hard to spell, Giggle Boys Podcast, uh, Brody Lowballer, the, uh, that's my rap alias, which, uh, by the way, that's a play on Jody High Roller, Riff Raff, because uh, even though I don't like, uh, I, I really am against being unoriginal, I do think fr- in music you don't need to... Treat it like comedy, and you can get away with stealing things a little more. And uh, I I believe, I think like Van Gogh or Picasso said, if you steal, if you copy one person, it's stealing. If you copy a lot of people, it's art. So I'm kind of just taking a little bit from a a bunch of my favorite artists. Uh, I wouldn't say Riff Raff is one of my favorite artists, but uh, he definitely... Is a is a character that I admire and enjoy and uh, respect. All right, cool.
0: Well, Eli, thank you so much for coming on. Eli
1: Halpern, ladies
0: and gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Of course. Cool. Yeah, that was fun. Dude, thanks. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, uh, you got to say everything you wanted to say, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did.